Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. It's that time of year where you might have heard a choir or two around. That's why we're, we're just playing some choir music for us to take in this morning. This is kind of the season where, if you're going to find a choir, it might be this time of year. And it's not an everyday occurrence, but as I was sitting at our daughter's choir program a couple weeks ago, I thought, you know, there's just something special about all these voices, and it's like, it's reverberating off the walls, and it's surrounding you with sound, and it's just a moving experience. And I wondered, what are some of the most powerful choir songs out there? So I did a little survey this week, sent a poll out to some of you Echo friends to ask your favorite choir songs. And this could be either ones that you performed or some that you just like to listen to, whether in person or even through headphones. So here are a few categories that these fell into. The first one I kind of was surprised about was, I didn't think about choirs that sing in like rock songs. Like the first two people who responded gave me these answers, Bohemian Rhapsody and You Can't Always Get What You Want. So if you can think about the choir pieces of those songs, I was like, oh yeah, I forgot all about those. I don't know why. The next category I'm calling stage and screen because we have Seasons of Love from Rent, From Now On from Greatest Showman, and this person who said it said they actually heard a choir sing it live. And then Masquerade from Phantom, Glory from Selma, and Earth Song. So all of these, maybe you're thinking through now some of these songs and how powerful they are. Maybe some of these are your favorites. And then we have spiritual songs. A lot of these are ones that people sang personally. So we've got Revelation 19, Baba Yetu, Blessing of Abraham, Oh Happy Day, Lead Kindly Light, He's Been Faithful, I'll Fly Away, and Unclouded Day. I tell you, I listened to every single one that people sent me. I had great playlists this week. If you want that playlist, let me know. I'll send it your way. And finally, we have Christmas choirs. And this was the top one that a friend said, Carol of the Bells, that ended up being, that was my favorite too when a person said that. I was like, yeah, we sang that when I was in high school and it always sticks with me. Handel's Messiah and Christmas Time is Here from the Peanuts soundtrack. That's a good one. Can't go wrong there. So I hope you're thinking of your own favorites right now. We're in our Christmas series called Hark because every scripture we've been reading about tends to have some music in it this season and just kind of realized that that was a common theme, so let's go with it. And we're talking songs that we hear out in the world because there's always music playing even when you're in the grocery store this time of year, right? You're always going to hear some Christmas songs. But today, we're going to get into a choir song. We're going to hear angels singing to the shepherds in Luke 2. But before we get to our angels and our shepherds, We're going to take a glimpse of what they were singing about, which we'll talk a little bit more at Christmas Eve. But let's read through Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. 
So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. So we're not going to dwell on this familiar passage today, but I want to be sure we saw the context of what our shepherds and our angels were all talking about. Now Mary and Joseph had to leave home because of a census, travel miles away as Jesus was due, and I just imagine them asking, what is going on here? I mean, as they arrive in Bethlehem and everything's crowded and there's not beds and they're staying in an area where animals normally are kept, This could have been the lower floor of a house. But either way, even if the animals weren't hanging around in the moment, like in the manger scene, they might have given them some privacy. They might have cleared out the animals for them. That would be nice, right? It still probably had a lingering odor. I just have a feeling. And they're probably thinking, what's going on here? And I imagine just Mary. Can you imagine at one point her grabbing Joseph by the tunic and saying, can you call Gabriel back? Like the angel did not mention these details. I'm supposed to give birth where? That's, maybe that's not your nativity scene you have, but maybe you should try it. Can you put your little figurines together more realistically? So we're going to leave the birthing chaos now, but that's what's going on here, right? There's chaos there, and now we're going to enter another scene that becomes chaotic. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, has been born to you the Messiah, the Lord, a Savior. This will be a sign to you. The baby will be wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now throughout our series, we have been talking about Joseph and Mary and now shepherds getting a message from an angel. And every time the angel starts with, don't be afraid because angels are scary. So people are kind of freaking out here. Here's the way we depict angels. You know, we'll see it on Christmas cards. You'll see it on top of Christmas trees. They're very serene, peaceful, usually female, long flowing hair, holding something glorious, right? Here's how angels are described in Ezekiel. They're called creatures. They each have four faces per body, an ox, an eagle, a human, a lion, four wings, feet like a cow. Under each wing is is some human hands. Terrifying? Yes. Here's how they're described in the book of Revelation, again called creatures. These only had one head each, but we also have lions, oxes, eagles, humans. But these things have six wings with eyeballs, all over them. I was fascinated by this picture this week, so enjoy for yourself. Terrifying! And thank you to Lacey because she posted this little gem of a meme on her Facebook page. This is real. I found the person. I did some digging. Reverend Kira Austin Young, who now we're friends together on on Instagram, she said, babe, I want a biblical angel on top of our tree. And her husband 
is a puppeteer. He's an artist. He does work for like on his page. It's like Jurassic Park he's done stuff for. And he's like, sure, babe, I got you. So last year, she posted this on their tree in 2021. And it's, it, you might have seen uh, a picture here or there. So maybe we can all order one after this sermon. I'm sure shepherds hanging out in the dark of night, making sure they're just watching out for animals to not come after the sheep. And it's dark, and suddenly the sky lights up with this thing, with lots of eyeballs. And I just kind of wonder, like, did the sheep react? Did they start running to run? Or was there a miracle of hurting the sheep? Like, did the angel, like, cast a spell on them? I don't know. I'm just fascinated to just think about this. But let's put up some calm sheep right now um, as we finish discussing this scripture. This is from Crone Conservatory, just up the street. Um, And fun fact... Even though you have to pay to go inside, you don't have to pay to go through the nativity. So I encourage you to stop by anytime till 9 p.m. every night. There's wax figurines, but you also see live cow, donkey, and sheep. There's the sheep that greeted me this week. What we want to focus on is the message that this scary angel had for the shepherds. The angel was bringing news of joy, of joy, news of a Messiah that would save God's people, not just God's people, that would save all of humanity. This is the one that the Jewish people have been watching, waiting, wondering about. For so long, God had promised a Messiah, and the first people to hear about it are these shepherds. Not the Caesar of Rome who created a census, not the governor of Syria, not butchers, bakers, or candlestick makers, not rabbis and teachers of the law. It is shepherds. They're on the low end of the social scale, but they're the ones that got the message first. Now, the baby is supposed to be born in the town of David, the angel said. And Bethlehem is where King David himself was born. David, who was revered among the Jewish people. David, who Jesus was in the human lineage of. And was promised he would have an ancestor on the throne. David, before he became a king, was a shepherd. And the shepherds get to go to Bethlehem and see this newborn yet ancient king. The angel included an odd detail for them. It's like, the kid you're looking for might be a few babies in Bethlehem. Look for the one in the feeding trough. Okay, good. Strange detail, but everything about this night has been weird. Okay, that's fine. Let's see our choir moment. Verse 13 says, Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared, praising God, singing glory to God and the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem, see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, found Mary, Joseph, and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. With all those voices, what's a heavenly host? 
A host can mean a multitude, could be translated into army. Like, there's a lot going on here. The night sky is filled with a heavenly host. What do their voices sound like? What harmonies? How did it surround, like, did it reverberate throughout their whole bodies? What was this choir like? They were praising God. They were singing to the Lord Almighty, all about his glory. How long did it last? We see this, but you know, you've been in church services where you repeat a chorus and you repeat a chorus and you just keep going. How long did this worship session go on? How much longer did the shepherds wish it would last? How dark did it seem after they were gone? No matter how dazed and confused the spectacle might have made them feel, the shepherds got themselves together, looked at each other, and like, let's go. Let's go see. Can you imagine? They arrive, and two very tired human beings are looking back at them, holding a baby. And I'm pretty sure they're probably all awkwardly feeling like, okay, what's going on here? The shepherds went out telling everyone this wild story. They became the messengers. Each week, we're looking not only at the music in scripture, but how people have brought it to music. And we sing so many Christmas songs. As Dylan and I were looking through them, we're like, there's a lot that mention angels and shepherds. But there's one that I don't always think about, but it's pretty well focused on Luke 2 here. Angels we have heard on high. We just sang it. You might instantly think of the first verse, angels we have heard on high, sweetly singing o'er the plains. That sounds so peaceful, not as scary there, right? But verse 2, it's like an interview, if you notice. Shepherds, why this jubilee? Why your joyous strains prolong? What the gladsome tidings be which inspire your heavenly song? The chorus the Gloria and Excelsis Deo that we sang, that's Latin for glory to God in the highest, which is those angel words there. But each week, we have been looking at a phrase of what might encapsulate the feelings of real human beings who experienced a real God and was trying to figure out this mystery. And when we read Isaiah, we said everyone's waiting and watching and wondering. And then when we were reading about Joseph and all the questions probably going through his mind. We were, were thinking Joseph and Mary probably thought, can I trust this message from an angel? And finally, Mary and Joseph together responded in obedience and said, it's not about me. So what can our shepherds say? Well, from angels we heard, heard on high, I, I kind of say, like, say it like this. What the gladsome tidings? All right, that's my phrase. So the shepherds, when they see a wild angel in the sky, what the gladsome tidings? When it disappeared and then they went and saw a baby laying in a feeding trough, what the gladsome tidings? It's this, we wonder, we get these messages from God and they don't always make sense. And you wonder, why me? Why this? Are you sure? When the shepherds got this message, they were there as a group. 
But I'm sure each individual probably took something different away from that night. Like when each shepherd told the story, you probably heard it just a little bit differently, right? Like what mattered to them? What, what meaning they found from this moment? In the same way, you and I would probably describe a choir experience differently. Your song and my song that we liked might be different. But there's something special that there's a message we would all receive as a group but that we each get to live out individually. And that happens in our lives today. God gives us amazing messages in in his word and how we read it and how we live it out as a church and as individuals. It might look a little differently than somebody else, but we're all striving to take the gladsome tidings given to us and just figure out how how to live it. At times, we as the echo leaders, we feel a tug about a certain direction and and I might bring it up here in a sermon or Dylan might craft a whole worship service around a theme or Shantae might create an activity where we can all serve and we're, we're trying to live out this thing that we feel God drawing us to. But it often comes from you guys. When we have conversations and you share stories about things that you've read and heard and you feel like you're learning about God today that's different than last year at this time, we start to notice that God is moving in us and we try to live that out as a church. But every week we just look and we think, how do we live out Jesus' message in my neighborhood, in my household, in my context, in my opportunities? Ask yourself, What are your gladsome tidings? Oftentimes, we'll hear a similar thing backed up. Like perhaps if we talk about the good news of great joy today, maybe you would go and listen to a podcast this week about joy. And then maybe you talk to a trusted friend and the topic of joy comes up. Let's notice these gladsome tidings and be like, there's a theme here. What is God trying to convey to you in this season about joy? But I hope you can find those topics for yourselves. And sometimes it's very obvious. You can sit here and you can think, I know what I need to do now. But at other times, it might not be so clear. That's why we have one another. Go to people of faith and hopefully Echo Church, it's your family of faith here, where we can say, will you pray with me? I'm feeling, a, I'm feeling joy. I'm feeling I'm supposed to look about joy. What am I supposed to discover about joy? the joy of Jesus this season. And just pray together. Try to discern this heavenly message more clearly. That's the thing I liked about those shepherds is they weren't alone. They didn't have to figure it out alone. And Mary and Joseph, they weren't alone. They had each other. Like these these big mysteries in life, they can be hard. But God gives us each other to live it out. That we can go to one another and figure out how to live. That's what we're digging into scripture every week here. We're together. You don't have to sit there alone and feel like you live in your faith alone. You have each other. What the gladsome tidings. I don't know. Let's figure it out together. Before we close, I have one more thought. While processing sheep and choirs and shepherds, and I was like, you know, We have the title pastor, Dylan and Shantae and I, and I kind of promoted that (laughs) 
Okay, yeah, I really wanted to be called pastor, not minister or reverend or whatnot. And I just like that metaphor. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. This idea of guiding and protecting and living among and dwelling with the people that you're supposed to care about. I like that term, pastor. It feels right as a minister, as to serve and to care and to live among. But to be a pastor, some days are easier than others. Some days are more joyful than others. But you all, when you share things that are going on in your lives, when you talk about the way God is moving in your faith, in your heart, in your home, through your living out in the community, that is our gladsome tidings. You all encourage us as shepherds when you speak up. Because sometimes we think, well, why does sharing matter? So my final bit for us is to say, share the gladsome tidings. When you share, it makes a difference to us. It makes a difference to each other. When you share what's going on in your faith, you give someone else the courage to also consider what's going on in their faith. When you share the gladsome tidings God is putting in you, it helps to articulate. I don't know. I'm a, I'm a verbal processor, so even if I'm texting to someone and I put into words what I think I'm learning about from God, it helps me like put it all together, to put it out there and say, yes, this is the way God has been moving. This is what I'm learning about, God. So share those. Sharing matters to you and it matters to other people. When people in our small group share the story of the way God has shown them something during the week, it matters to me. It gives me encouragement. It gives me inspiration. Sharing your story of faith in Jesus matters. But we also should share these gladsome tidings outside of people of faith with neighbors or coworkers. You don't have to be the weird person that's like quoting weird little sayings all the time. It doesn't have to be happy-go-lucky, right? Just be honest. But faith is part of your life and you shouldn't have to hide it. It could be simple, like, there's a lot going on in the world, but I have some hope lately. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's all you say. But the way you live your life will then hopefully cause people to ask, hey, where, where do you find your hope? Where do you find the strength to keep going? What do you do when you're anxious and you can't fall asleep at night? Hopefully, because you speak and you say things here and there and you share a little bit of your gladsome tidings with someone, they'll know that you can be trusted. Have you had those moments where people will come to you and say, I don't know, but will you pray for me? Because they know you can be trusted. Sharing our gladsome tidings matter. So let's not keep it to ourselves. Whether you're singing about it in a choir or just, just speaking a little bit here and there. Go deep with one another. Let's have deep conversations. Let's show each other who we really are. And God will use us in a glorious way. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the way you move. 
through human beings because we don't, we don't get terrifying angels all the time in our daily lives, but you bring us each other. You've placed us in this world together to remind each other of your gladsome tidings, to help figure out your mysterious messages, and to also just be encouraged to keep taking another step forward. Thank you for coming to earth and living as a human to show us how it's done. Help us to follow in your footsteps this week. Jesus, we lift you up. All glory to God in the highest. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.